We're with David Manica today at the Career Pro Inc. podcast. We're going to talk about 10 books to read for 2022. We're not jumping ahead. We're not 2023 in this thing. We're going to get right on track right away, January 2022. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Excellent. So these books aren't the fancy new books. These are old, tried, but true, but very critical books that I think really provide a good perspective of you, of your management skills, and of how to look at the world through the lens of value. So you're going for the classics to start us off for this year, not the hottest, latest, greatest. That's exactly right. There won't be any Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations. That's, that's a little too old. But there are some good books in the 90s, 2000s, mid-2000s, excuse me, that are just phenomenal reads that you should have if you have not done so already, already read. Most importantly, these things, these ideas that are in these books have held up for you, and you are a reader and a referencer of, of great minds. This is a great way to associate with people. I think one of the things that we lack in this culture, we're reading our phones, we're getting clips, and we're getting headlines, and we're getting everything so fast and furious, sitting back and reading some of these classics. Well, I'm excited. Let's just jump right in. Yeah, and John, that's actually called deep literacy. And there's a lot of people talking about the fact that we are not very good problem solvers any longer because we think in bits and bites and quick snapshots. We don't deeply think. And then we don't go into a piece of literature or a documentation and really dig into it and ask questions about it. So you're right on the nose. If you have some time later on, folks listening to this, research deep literacy. There's some really cool pieces of documentation out there. And, you know, and just in the leadership side, we are so often reacting, not responding. Mm -hmm. And this is such key, such a key thought process that you bring to the table. All right, let's get into so it. So first we're going to start off with you, how you work. Okay, so the first book on this list, fun book. Again, I'm not really big into the deep, deep, deep business tomes. The Fred Factor by Mark Sandburn. And The Fred Factor is about a postman who just does his job wonderfully at an extremely high quality and that blows the minds of the people around him. And he does it because he wants to do it. He does it because he likes what he does. And he shows how he likes what he does by doing it in a phenomenal way. Um, very similar to the Chick-fil-A commercial. If you watch a lot of TV, you'll see some commercials with the young guy from Wilmington who just sparked a big viral video campaign about how gregacious he was inviting guests into the drive-thru of the Chick-fil-A. So Fred is about that. Fred is about putting packages that he delivers onto your, onto your doorstop instead of leaving them on the ground like has happened to me. This year. It's about making sure that he knows when you're on vacation and bundling your mail a certain way and bringing that mail back when you're back from vacation in a smart and way that can help you better distribute that mail. So it's just a number of elements that goes into saying, here's Fred. Fred is a U.S. postman doing his job at a high level because he wants to. Here's one of the words I picked out of this. If there's anyone who's gregacious, it's you. Gregarious, yes, but gregacious. You <laughs> use that word. I like it. That could be the title of one of your, your, your books. All right, but I want to add to this, too, because this reminds me of my sister when she handed me a toothbrush and said, hey, I got a really special job for you, and had me cleaning the grout around trash cans. <laughs> and she said, if you do this very, very well, you will be able to start working in the back 
frying hamburgers that's at the, right at the mcdonald's she managed so i learned to clean grout very well with, i like your sister with, a lot right now with comet <laughs> yes and 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 those trash can the the proximity around those trash cans at this mcdonald's inside and out all weather were, was pretty great that was good leadership how uh, you example. do your job right now regardless <laughs> of what level it is will show how you do any job into the future those who can handle small tasks well will be given more tasks. Never too late to learn it. All right, That's, what's next? Number is two is stuff. number two is a heavier book. It's from a Nobel laureate, but I mean, I use this book constantly in my presentations. It's Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Cutheman. And it's basically about the operations of our minds and the impact on that for our well-being and the choices we make and how we process information and then how we execute on processing that information to be successful in our personal or business You work. do reference this a lot, and I think that, w why is this important to you? Because, because you experience this, or do or, or our minds on, yeah. our, our minds work like this, or is this for a certain personality? What would you say? Because of change. So this wouldn't be important if it wasn't for how high and fast the pace of change is hitting us. Um, this book talks to us about how our brain hates change, and because it hates change, it puts us in precarious situations because of that. And we keep solving the same problems using the same hammer over and over again. And we fall to the, we fall to the homogeneous group instead of the heterogeneous group. We fall into cognitively non-diversified teams instead of cognitively diversified teams. And that's why I think it, it, it's so critical now. And he's an economist, but really has brought to light the ideas of brain function tied to value. But it'll teach somebody how their brain is tricking them on a daily basis. Now, what age could read this book? Is it? You said it's a little heavier, and I'm not saying younger ages can't or whatever. But could this be good for someone who wants to kind of figure things out? This early, reading list would be early career. This reading list would be great for a high senior senior year high school class on business and management. And what about for an executive? I don't need to read that. I've got my Most mind Most of the trained. executives, none of us have been trained on these things. The uh -huh. problem is, is that an MBA program might take two of these books out there, but they'll put them in references of something else instead of the box that they should okay. be in. So I put Cunneman's book in the box of you. This is an Understanding stuff. you got and it. how your brain operates. Awesome. Number three? Let's go. So the last book on the you category, and this is going to surprise a lot of folks, but Cognitive Behavioral Therapy in Seven Weeks by Seth Gillen. Retrain your brain. Mm. So because the world is moving so fast and change is happening so quickly, we have to learn how our actions are derived. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, CBT, talks about how actions are derived. Actions are derived from beliefs. Beliefs then drive thoughts. Thoughts then drive emotions. Emotions then drive actions. And what happens is that we don't realize the thoughts and we just drive through emotions and our emotions carry us to actions that are illogical and put us in very bad situations. And people always seem to feel like they're, that history repeats itself. Because it with, does. With their life. Because they keep Why doing this, is that? Because they keep doing the same things over and over again in the face of a changing world based on preset beliefs that have not changed. But David, I changed my goals this year and I, and um, I talked to different people and I, I, I made different friendships and, it, and I still am back to the same Because you didn't place. change your beliefs. You didn't go back to the basis and look at your beliefs and reevaluate those beliefs. Like a critical belief for me that I learned through CBT was that I feared power. I feared authority. 
because I didn't trust authority, because authority corrupts. Since I know authority corrupts, <laughs> I didn't trust leadership. So when I work for someone, I work more out of fear than out of enjoyment, and that affects my mental health and has caused me problems over the course of my career. So when I was able to finally look at that belief and break it down and understand that it was broken, then I could reestablish a new belief on top of that that then changed my thoughts, which changed my emotions, which changed my actions. And in none of this are we advocating do-it-yourself psychotherapy, no, no, psychology, no. you know, those kinds of things. However, dive in a little deeper inside you of you and where your beliefs come from, you you're to. saying is a good thing to do, and let's yes, do it in to. 2022. And it's seven weeks. It's a workbook. And it really digs down deep into helping you reestablish where your broken beliefs are and where your broken thought patterns are. Good stuff. All right, now we're going to go into management and leadership. So you're going to say, well, where is this book and where is that book? Now, all three of these books are stories, not big business tomes. Parables. Yes. Or, yeah, some oh, of our parables, some of our fables. Okay. So number one is Monday Morning Mentorship by David Cottrell. I actually made this required reading at ASPE. Phenomenal story of a young, young semi-successful business executive who reaches out to a, a very successful business executive and seeks tips and tricks and help. And it's in the form of a story, and some people think the stories are kind of corny, but it really hits home on some r critical pieces. Like I learned the rule of three from this book, okay. which is you have to, if you interview three people, you have three people interview them, and you interview three people for a job, and you have three people that you really want for that job. Okay. I learned the fact that the smartest people leave first when they're upset. The smartest rats leave the ship first all the time. So, and, and, and everybody knows the problems in the business. You probably don't even know about the problems in the business. Most of the people know about those problems before you do. Great example they put in the book is that Sally was drinking. And the, 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 kid, the kid, the character who was getting mentored didn't even see what was, didn't know what was happening. Pop culture reveals that in some of those, some of those TV shows. You yeah. Know. It's the, interesting. But the, this boss, one, the boss shows. You go down yeah. to the basic worker, the worker on the line. And they know what's going on. Yeah, the, the, the one thing is what to call it, undercover executive. Undercover boss. Undercover boss shows some of that. But basically, this book gets into understanding yourself better, understanding how to look at the world better from a management and leadership perspective. Got it. And then how to reformulate yourself. It's very action-oriented, not theory-based, not case study-based. Okay. It shows things in action that are, and I'm going to say it again, very actionable. Feel feels real world. Mm -hmm. All right, very good. Next one is very corny. Very corny, but it shows the issue in such power. you're saying it's gluten-free? It's gluten-free. There you go. It's called Zapped. The Lightning of Empowerment. It's Sounds by good. William Bayham, and it is about this work world, this fictional work world, and it shows what happens when you get micromanaged. Ooh. And it shows it in great characterization and great visualization. <laughs> and it really it shows the character, it shows the manager character, it shows the manager character pulling their hair out of their head, it shows the manager character micromanaging, it shows the color fading from all those that are micromanaged, it shows them not making their performance happen. It's amazing. And then they go over to the person that is doing the empowerment 
and, it, and that manager is able to see the world from a whole different light. It's All a little people, corny, but you're saying that, that it, what, will, what will it do? Will it just make people uh, more sensitized to being micromanaged? Or what's the good? They'll see could, both. What's they'll the see, good? They'll see, the, see themselves in the leader who's trying everything in the world because they think they're Atlas. The okay. worst leaders in the world are the ones that think they're Atlas. They carry the world on their shoulders. They have to make all the decisions. They have to deal with the children at work. And this book shows visually okay. painted pictures in your mind about how that doesn't work. So they're going through thousands of case studies about GE or Xerox or any of these other Fortune 500 companies. This shows it to you in a story. Powerful awareness, maybe you're even. Power, man, perfect. Okay. Power, that book provides powerful awareness. Okay. The last one and another fun one. Um, management and leadership is how Stella saved the farm. There we it go. It is a faber, fave, fave, fable, fable, and it tells the story of innovation. And the farm was falling apart. The farm wasn't operating appropriately. And Stella came in from her college and tried to change the way the farm operated. So lots of pushback and lots of frustration, but ultimately she changes and pivots and sees the world from both sides and is able to adjust to that and drive innovation through the organization. And again, it's all about putting it into a better perspective that's understandable. You see yourself as one of the horses, or you see yourself as one of the pigs, or you see yourselves as one of the ducks, and you see yourself as Stella. And you, know, and you can see how they saw Stella a little bit differently. She's coming in with her highfalutin ideas. But it really teaches someone in today's, today's convoluted, complex, complicated world how to drive innovation. Excellent. And realize there's two sides of the street. Excellent. All right, we're almost done. Let's keep going. Now we're going to talk about how business and economics work and the idea of value. So we talked about you. A lot of it is how you see the world. We talked about management and leadership, really about how you impact the world around you. Now we're going to talk about value. And the reality is economics is, the psych is, a, is a social science that has psychology and sociology in it. So you have to have this understanding to really pull out the next thing. The first book is a very deep book. Um, it's kind of an obnoxiously um, arrogant book. It's called The Black Swan by Nazbit Talib. It is a fabulous study into why you can't predict what's going to work. <laughs> it shows you all the raw numbers. It shows you multiple really easy to understand case studies that gets to the point that you cannot predict any longer what will work or what won't work. What will, what will that do to free us up if we read this book? Well, it's going it's to free you up from working off of an old paradigm, which is the, there's a guru on the mountain. The guru on the mountain tells everybody what to do and everything's going to work out fine. The guru <laughs> can't keep up any longer. What happens is these black swans. Things pop out out of nowhere that you never thought would work but totally work. My, my example of this is Harry Potter. Who in their light, right mind would have thought Harry Potter would have been a billion-dollar business? Oh, billions plus? Yeah. Isn't it? Plus? Yeah, billions plus. It's a, in the U.S., it's about a geek. It's about a geek who wears glasses and does magic. Those people rule the world now. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> that it would it's be very thing. difficult to predict that that book would have that type of impact. Right. That was a black swan. When J.K. Rowling was writing on the train. Writing on the train, she, she had no, no idea. She was just writing something that following came Following the story. Yeah, it has a lot of Tolkien references into it. And Tolkien mm -hmm. did okay, but not to the level of J. Love Tolkien, but love Harry this, Potter this. on the fact, from a money standpoint, by a factor of 20. Yeah, it's just, it's, that's a black swan. Got it. 
And then next is pop culture. That's a black swan. Yeah, but there's business business black swans all the time. That's true. Facebook is a business black swan. MySpace was there way before Facebook. You know, who would have thought that would have done anything? It's kind of ridiculous, actually, in a lot of cases. But it hit on certain situations, and it popped. The next one is my all-time favorite. It really changed the way I looked at business. It's called Freakonomics. Stephen Levette and Stephen Dubin, anyways, they took the knowledge and information they learned from a professor called Thomas Schelling. It's called the Schelling Point. He was a game theory economist who won the Nobel Prize in 2005. And after I read the book, I'm like, I know this stuff. It's because Schelling went from Harvard to Maryland, and I took two classes from him at the University of Maryland in 1991 and 1992. And I'm like, oh, I get this stuff, because that was at the point where economics was starting to look at behavioral economics and the idea of abatement of saving the environment by trading, trading credits towards polluting. So I can buy your pollution credits so that I don't pollute as much, so I'll buy your credits. That was that, all that started. All that started okay. from this idea of using economics as a way to solve public policy issues. So you're saying it still has relevance as we look at 2020. Oh my gosh, look at the, the I was just talking about the bagel case study in Freakonomics the other day, which is, hey, I'm a company, I do, I do bagels, I put the bagels out, I put a box in there and I walk away. Everybody says, my God, don't do that, nobody's going to pay. 99.9% of the time, they got the right amount of money for the number of bagels that were taken. Nice. And then the other story of Freakonomics, which blows your mind, is, okay, I'm leaving my kids, I'm, I'm leaving my kids late. I'm picking up my kids late at the daycare. What's going on? Okay, well, let's charge them for doing that because we don't have to pick them up on time. So we'll charge you $50 if you're late. The late rose. Why? Because yeah, I'm paying. I'm, I'm able to pay now to pick my kid up late, so it's okay. What changed it? is when they advertised the people in the newsletter for the school on who picked their kids up. Oh, good gracious. Economics, man. (laughs) They tried an economic way, then they tried another way. Social science, psychology, Mm -hmm. it starts showing you to look at value from a bunch of different perspectives, and value is more than just money. There's ethics, there's morals, there's all these things wrapped up in value. And the last two books, by far the best book for value in business is Moneyball. Michael mm. Lewis, you know, baseball is about the, you know, the five, whatever. Can you hit? Can you run? Can you catch? Right? No. It's about can you have the mindset and can you have the mental fortitude to get through all the failures? Because you're only good at baseball if you fail seven out of ten times. Even if you fail eight out of ten times, you're good in baseball. But if you can't handle failing those seven and a half to eight times, you're going to be no good at baseball. And then the stats, how stats can lead you in a wrong direction. And then re-looking at the stats of an organization and reevaluating the organization based on another set of um, metrics that could change the whole way you operate. It's, the, it's, it's a movie, but you said the book has the book power. The book is more, a thousand times more powerful than the movie. Excellent. The book is about business. The book is about numbers. The book is about statistics wrapped in a story. And the thing is that Billy Bean was a phenomenal five-tool baseball player, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the head for baseball. He couldn't handle rejection. He couldn't handle the failure. He couldn't handle the psychology of it. And then they told the story of crazy Lenny Dykstra, who ended up being corrupted and tax fraud and everything else. But his ability. But he could handle every time. Every time he struck the baseball out. Baseball field. Yeah. Every time he struck out, he'd come back and I'm gonna hit a home run tomorrow. Next time. Yeah. 
And Billy Bean would look at this guy going, what the heck? But that's what he had. Got it. And then the statistics of looking at people across the lawn, not just looking at these physical attributes, but the data. Got it. And then the book that kind of wraps all these things together in a nice box for me is David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. He wraps in understanding of the psychology side of things. He wraps in the economic side of things. He wraps in failures and management and leadership side of things. For instance, he talks about hockey players in which hockey players become, um, become professional hockey players. It's really those that were born in January and February based <laughs> on training time. He talks about the idea of who actually gets published the more people from Harvard get published compared to more people from another school get published. It's actually the lower end schools get published more because they're working harder. Um, it talks about how you compare yourself in environments. It tells a story about a young lady who, instead of going to Maryland, went to Brown for biology, compared herself to the 100 people in the biology department, didn't think she was any good. She quit. She moved to liberal arts. Where if she went to Maryland, she would have saw herself <laughs> in a better light. And, and then would have stayed, stuck with it and would have, would have been able so to So very much helpful. Oh, extremely helpful. Just, not even from a, just understanding value helpful of yourself. Helpful. Oh, hopeful, yeah, because you gotta, we, gotta, we judge ourselves in such a small box. And we don't look at a larger comparison to really judge our successes or failures. And that makes us put ourselves in smaller and smaller boxes and, and forces us not to look at ourselves beyond a certain situation because of how we judge ourselves within a small box. All these books are great. Pick one for early career, younger, put mid, mid-career, and an executive. Just if they said, well, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of books. Okay. Or they're so overwhelmed. Just I pick, think early pick career, one from each. Yeah, early career is Fred Factor. If anybody can operate like Fred, they make their lives a thousand times better. Got it. And they realize it's not just about talent and brains. Middle career is thinking fast and slow. There you go. You got to read that book in the middle of your career. When you're, if you're an executive, you have, you should really read Moneyball, and understand the data and the statistics of your business, which are foul, which are which are built on a bad base, and what you could do new to really judge your business better. And that's how baseball was but changed. But the truth for 2022 is, any of these books could make a nice little paradigm shift in your brain. Yes. As long as you put it in the right box. What, the books whatever about, age you are and wherever you are. Yeah. The books about you will change a paradigm about yourself. The books about management and leadership can change the way you lead and manage. And then those books about value. Because most people just pick a book and think it's going to be everything. Right. Understand where that book is coming from can do a long thing. And the last thing I'll say is the, when you read all these books, then you go listen to Planet Money podcast from NPR, the best podcast out there to really look at money and business and psychology and sociology and economics. Phenomenal podcast. And that's it for me, John. David Manikoff, best books to read for 2022. Get started. 